0: I'm Dr. Terry Fisher, a physician and voice technology futurist. Voice First Technology is rapidly becoming the operating system of our lives, and it will completely revolutionize the way we experience healthcare. Let's talk voice. Hello and welcome to episode 69 of Voice First Health really pleased to have you along today for this episode. This is a great episode when it comes to discussing physician burnout and how voice technology can help with this issue. I'm speaking with Dr. Gabe Charbonneau, who is a physician, a family physician, and also a user of a product known as Saykara. And I have interviewed the team from Saykara in the past on the podcast. Sekera is a company that is creating uh, a voice technology product whereby a physician can simply speak their clinical notes. The Sakara engine listens, uh, analyzes the speech, and creates the chart notes for the physician. I was really, really excited to speak with uh, Gabe today about this, get his experience as a user of this product, and I think you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised to hear that... Uh, His experience has been quite positive. So uh, let's get right into this podcast. Really excited to share this with you. Uh, This is Dr. Gabriel Charbonneau. Uh, Gabe, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Thanks much,
1: Terry. Yeah, it's it's a pleasure. I'm happy to do it.
0: All right. So um, I'm really excited because you are a clinician and we get to speak with somebody who is using voice technology in their office to help with um, a lot of the issues surrounding being a being a professional and being a physician. But before we get into all that, I'd love for you to take a few moments and just introduce yourself to the audience. Who are you? What's your story?
1: Yeah, you bet, Terry. So I, I'm a family practice doctor. Um, I live in Montana. I've been here for about nine years. Um, my wife's family is from here. I grew up originally in rural Idaho, so this is not a big switch for me. I live in a small community here. Um, Right out of residency, um, I had a pretty significant episode of of, uh, burnout um, in the clinic setting that I worked. And Um, And that led us to move this direction. Um, While I was working there, I actually started trying to figure out if there were any tools that could potentially uh, take the edge off of uh, some of the electronic charting we were doing. And this is old school, web-based, super slow EHR. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I I tinkered with some of the things that you could do with Dragon early on. It was not elegant, um, but that was sort of my background. And uh, we moved out here. Uh, We had our big Epic go live in 2012. And my partner and I uh, pretty quickly realized that we enjoyed being competitive with each other for building tools to, again, make the EHR easier. And so we actually would run up and down the hall like, hey, check this out, this thing that I made that can do this. And then it sort of escalated uh, between the two of us until finally um, there was this light bulb day um, when we had sort of built some skills and had some ideas about what we could do. And we came up with this challenge of like, what's a model for like an entire visit we could do in sort of one step with a macro with Dragon. And so we did a, a knee injection um, where it was the the billing code, it was the charging for the cortisone, it was the pull in a note template, um, and it was all that stuff. And the only thing you had to do is pick the left or right side, and it was like all one step to make it happen. And we just like, oh, at wow. that moment we were like, man, like how many steps was that before? It was like surprisingly a lot. And so anyway, from there, it kind of went into um, pretty quickly, it caught on that we were interested in doing this. And we taught some classes. Um, One of my favorite stories is I had a faculty member from residency in Spokane that did a lot of hormone workup that was like 12 different things on a piece of paper that he would sign off on. And he'd sign off on that. And that was his orders. And with EHR, it was like, okay, that is super painful and cumbersome. <laughs> so we, that was like a, a great challenge of like, how far can we push this? And we did, we built him a voice command to like order all those things and then he could you know, remove one or two if it wasn't needed. And so anyway, we did that, um, got a little bit tired of thinking about myself as a traveling consultant. And we actually tried our luck at a software startup. So we built uh-huh. a, I taught myself Python, which is a normal thing for doctors to do, right? <laughs> um, and... Maybe for, for, for an N of one or so. <laughs> right. Not at that's all, great. I don't think. Well, that's great. Um, Good. Yeah. So, and then that was enough to to be dangerous and create a prototype. And we built uh-huh. basically an add-on uh, macro tool that um, that we thought we needed to kind of run these Um, these programs to kind of take multiple steps in the EHR and make them into one step. Um, We totally failed as a business, although I still use it every day and have a small number of people that are kind of passionate hobbyists that use it. Um, And when that failed, I was looking for, okay, this intersection of technology and medicine is really interesting. I mean, technology keeps coming and where's this all going? There's the pain point of how do we function with it? and so I um, I was introduced to a company in San Francisco called Tenor um, and sort of joined there as a physician advisor and got really interested in AI and voice AI um, and unfortunately Tenor went out of business so that was like two for two like failures right <laughs> and um, so then I was like well maybe I should stay out of this stuff like maybe you know maybe there isn't like a really good way for me to be involved like I'm this rural doctor in Montana I'm not even in a tech place so to speak and Um, so I actually like, um, I did a creative project and I made a, um, what I was seeing as a big problem for myself and others was burnout. So I, I made a t-shirt, um, with the words fight burnout and a Phoenix raising the rod of Asclepius out of the flames, which I should send you one by the way. Um, yeah. And the idea was at the time, like just my own sort of understanding of what was going on, but also a belief that like as people, I really believe in humanity that we can overcome some of these challenges and sort of that mythical imagery helped me see that, you know, I still believe that was possible while some of the technical, you know, boots on the ground things, we've still got some hurdles to overcome. Sure. So anyway, I started doing that. And then um, some of the folks at Seikara noticed it and reached out to me. And then that was sort of like a, we just had natural things in common and have been talking since and, um, and we start. I brought, I helped bring a pilot to Montana, um, which started with 10 of us uh, in November. And um, yeah, I've been using it since. So happy to be Amazing. here and talk about it more. Amazing. So, boy, that's so great. It's such a great background. Um, and then
0: it's really coming from a place of burnout. And mm-hmm. that's such a, such an important. There's a lot more talk about that these days, which is great uh, for physicians being burnt out and then trying to find solutions. And I agree a hundred and ten percent that if we can create. Uh, a system where the physician can simply just speak and not have to worry about charting, which is essentially what Sakara is trying to do, then mm-hmm. that goes a long way. So um, right. I, know, I know, first of all, physician burnout, like you mentioned, is a huge issue too. Is there anything else that you want to say about that in terms of other things or other initiatives there? And then we can get into the voice technology aspect.
1: You know, um, I think, I think mostly I became this sort of accidental people wanted me to be some kind of expert about burnout. And I was just some guy who had experienced burnout and made a t-shirt mm. in my, in my, in my world. Oh, interesting. Um, but I, but I did start to study it a lot and I got into studying, um, the work of Christina Maslach, who's one of the pioneers in burnout research and some of the things she found. And, and the really, what was interesting to me is, um, what, what she calls the kind of pillars of professional fulfillment, what I call anti-burnout. Sort mm-hmm. of locally colloquially, colloquially forget it. <laughs> um, can't do it. But um, I, I call it anti-burnout in my own words um, because she thinks of that as the antidote. Um, mm-hmm. And there are, there are several things. So workload is, is one of them, a reasonable mm-hmm. workload. And so, I mean, immediately you think about the EHR and it's like yep. the 4,000 clicks a shift. It's the pajama time. It's the two yep. hours for every hour in the office. And it's like, so we know that workload with the EHR is a huge deal. Yep. Um, and workload is one of the major six pillars of of, of burnout versus fulfillment. So, um, so that becomes exceedingly interesting if you're trying to solve the physician burnout epidemic. Um, There's a couple other things it touches on too. So another one is sense of control. Um, That's another of the pillars. And so a lot of us feel like we have no control over the EHR. In fact, um, for an example, um, with working with a startup like Sekera, if I'm not happy, um, I can fire them. That's really empowering. And I don't plan to, I actually like them quite a lot, (laughs) but, um, but so they're very responsive to me. If something doesn't work that day, they're fixing it. Mm -hmm. Um, versus like, you know how it goes with one of the big vendors we're on Epic. Um, you know, you complain about something and at some point you get this like learned helpless list, like no one cares. Or finally my thing made it on the list with all the other things that made it to the headquarters in Verona and they worked on it. And six months later they incorporated some kind of a fix that wasn't exactly what you needed. Plus some new problems you didn't have before right right. i mean that's the that's 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 kind of tongue-in-cheek but that's what it feels like yeah so um so so it does give a sense of control that you have this this um service that's there to please you um i think that's really a big deal yeah yeah oh that's great that's great
0: so i'm really interested now as a clinician because i haven't i haven't spoken with somebody i don't think directly that is using their product so i'm really interested in your your experience that and your 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 sense of how that's working for you so can you kind of paint the picture, like what was it like when you first started using it and how did you set it up
1: and what did your patients think like what
0: what was it all about how what was experience like
1: oh yeah i'd be i'd be happy to so 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 before i jump into say kara i'll just tell you what my what my workspace looked like before uh so i i considered myself to be quite optimized and i was actually skeptical that this was gonna make me faster for example Mm, because i i thought okay i'm pretty quick at dragon i have my note templates all optimized i've got all these macro tools that i use so i actually thought of myself as sort of this like person that was going to shepherd in something to try for some of my peers that might benefit from it more because maybe there was more more room to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, so that's that was my background going into it. When we started the pilot. Um, so the, I'll, I'll just walk through like what a what a typical um, encounter is with it. Sure. It's like and then sort of some of the observations I had. So um, so it's a mobile app on your phone. It's an iOS um, app mm-hmm. and it has your patient list for the day on there. And basically, before I go into the room, I select the patient I'm going to go see. And then I walk in and I make sure it's okay with them that I use this AI assistant because it's going to record the whole conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one has objected to that yet. I mean, they, they know oh, wow. that it's all secure and HIPAA compliant and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And then you uh, turn it into listening mode, um, mm-hmm. which basically activates that it's okay for it to listen to the, to the conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that's basically, um, then I set it down. And from there, um, so there's two things that are happening. One is that it's capturing all the audio from our from our conversation. Um, at this stage, I'm on a version of the product that requires a little bit more cueing. It's a little bit like Alexa, where you um, you say "Hey Kara," which is the activation word, right. and that or "Okay Kara," and that gets it into ready to accept a command. So it sort of makes a little beep, and the screen changes color, and it's like ready to go. And then things that you can do at that point are. Um, you could say some speech that's like a recap of your narrative. Um, So, so I've taken a a history with the patient and I say, okay, now I want to, now I want to get that into the note for today. I'm going to repeat back what I, what I heard you say. And I, I also say if there's, if I made any mistakes or left anything out when I'm done, please let me know and I'll fix it. Can I interrupt Um, for just for one sec there? So, so from the beginning when you're taking the history before you get to that, sort of that summary Mm -hmm. part, is it still listening? Is it is it recording yeah. at that point? Yeah, it, okay. it's lis- it's listening. And so part so I was going to circle back to that. So part oh, okay, of sorry, is, Go ahead. So as the as the technology is evolving, like the dream is a fully autonomous sort of completely only tech solution mm-hmm. where, you know, it just like it listens to the whole conversation and is sort of. Um, accurately catching the speech and then, um, parsing that, um, both for intention and, you know, direct transcription and like capturing structured data and so forth. And like, there's no need for any human kind of editing. And that is the model that's being built. And mm. as people who know about AI and deep learning, it requires huge volumes of data. Right. So this transcript, this conversation is we are building that so okay. in the we're in the process of using it as if it were like an Alexa in your exam room. You talk to it with voice commands. You don't have to speak any punctuation um, It's very natural and intuitive. But um, but what I'm actually most excited about, and this is like me as an Uber geek doctor, is that we're actually building the model of the future. Um, uh-huh. So so that's where like I don't think that's the typical user's not going to come at it being as excited about like I'm helping build the future. They just want like right like to ease my burden. But right. that's that's part of what excites me. I see. So, okay. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so I, so then I will, but then I'll just speak naturally. So, you know, the patient came in for whatever, and these are the things. And, uh, and then you can with a voice command say, thanks, Kara, when you're done. Um, and, and then, uh, you know if there are any changes, you just naturally say, you know, actually that high blood pressure has been going on for two years versus whatever, and they'll they'll change that and fix it. So you don't have to not like with dragon, you have to find exactly how it came out, highlight it, say it again, mm-hmm. sort of supervise. Um, so So this is another key observation that happened to me is that I didn't realize how much sort of mental effort it was taking for me to um, to proofread as I went with dragon. Um, so, you know, like you say it and then you're sort of watching it go on the screen and, um, and that those are mental gymnastics really. Um, and so Kara has, um, um, some editing that's done in the background and quality control with people that basically make sure that whatever, whatever you said comes out right. And it's definitely better than I was reading my own notes with dragon because I would think I said something and then I would Mm -hmm. think I saw myself saying that thing on the screen, and that wasn't the case. <laughs> so I'd get weird I stuff say. sometimes in my notes, yeah. So um, the, other, the other thing is I tried using Dragon in the exam room and never could quite get myself to do it. I just felt so awkward, like trying to say punctuation and starting and stopping in these sort of unnatural ways. Mm. And I know some people do that, but it just, it never was really a fit, but I was able sure. to, because, because I didn't have to worry so much about getting it all right and doing the proofreading, um, I became comfortable doing this in the room with people. Um, So that both made it so I could be done with my notes when I walked out, but also um, another interesting thing is that patients really liked it, liked hearing like, oh, he really heard me. And when I Uh speak the plan, it was like another iteration of hearing exactly what the doctor is thinking, um, sort of spoken back in a like really straightforward way. Um, and I would have to sort of modify my language to make sure it was both like medically right, but also understandable by a normal human. So I think that in that way, like that was really interesting. Um, and I, and, and so that was, I would say like a sort of surprise benefit, but I mean, the big things for me is that being done with a note when I walked out of the room, not having to say punctuation and not realizing that doing the mental gymnastics of, of, of like supervising what dragon was doing and, and that stuff was actually a big deal for me because I tried to go back and it's actually a pain and I hate it <laughs> so
0: <laughs>
1: yeah um so so that. yeah so um so essentially and then um and then basically the other thing is is so I um I send in templates uh, ahead of time for like things that I want to I want to commonly do so like several physical exam templates for different scenarios and then um, basically i just have to say okay use this template and then change xyz and it's done so i mean you could potentially do some of those things with a transcriptionist um i suppose if you had them sort of on board with your templates and so forth right Um, but this has the advantage of both like a lot of the heavy lifting is done by tech uh, so the the ASR speech recognition um, creates a lot of the the kind of base stuff. And then they're also applying the machine learning and algorithms to, to sort of structure things and tee it up and keeps getting better and better towards that fully autonomous model, um, which is when it's really going to be able to scale in a big way. Um, so at least that's the, you know, like I said, that's the dream. Sure, sure. So how, how
0: does this integrate with, I understand the note, how does this integrate with, ordering tests, ordering labs, mm-hmm. radiology, like, are you doing that through, say, Cara, Or are you doing it through the
1: EHR? So fair fair question. So I um I haven't started doing that yet. Um that's been offered and I know that some people are. Um I have to confess, like that's not a major pain point for me. I have an amazing nurse who helps me with a lot of my painful lab orders, um, either teeing them up for me almost already done, so I can mostly sign them, or um, or helping me from kind of what I tell her to tee them up and so that I can just sign them. And I also and I have a lot of other favorites that are really optimized. So I have not gotten to the point where orders are a major pain sticking point for me, gotcha. um, so so I haven't really been all that um, uh, I don't know desperate to get that going, but I know that that is an issue for people. I just can't speak to it personally from using gotcha.
0: it. Gotcha, and then so my understanding, at least the last time I spoke with the Sakara team, and correct me if I'm wrong, but at this point they have somebody proofreading what the AI is generating, yes, and then that's coming back to you as the clinician. Yes. And then you're signing off on it at that point.
1: Yes. Yes. So what's that
0: experience like, and what's the turnaround time there? And does it take you a long time to read through the notes of there? Is that saving you time? What's the deal with that?
1: Right. No. All good questions. All good questions. So, um, so the first thing is, um, so again, as a startup, like some of this has been learning as we go. I have a really smooth process now. When we started, they actually would have them they have a scribe account so that they can put notes in and they would um, put in the note as a scribe user. And then I would go in and co-sign those notes, which Mm, um, was just like a bumbling set of five or six steps, like every time to kind of click back into it and make me the author and then sign off on it and so forth. So, so we found a much better way for our EHR, which is I, with every visit, I create a placeholder that's that's under my name that says placeholder for Sekera and then they dump it into there. And then I go, then I Proofread it quickly and sign off on it. Um, and part of it is, so, so it's, how, it's how quickly you build up trust for the results. So it is incredibly accurate. I trust it way more than my own notes that I was doing with Dragon, where I would say it and physically read it afterwards and still would miss things because my brain would just sort of like wow. um, yeah. see what I wanted to say. And, and then really amazing things would come back sometimes, (laughs) like, like there's an example of, so, so, um, so, um, a circumcision, the circ board was translated into a surfboard. So we have a surfboard in our, right. Things like that. Yeah, Yeah. So dragon doesn't, dragon doesn't know the difference. Yeah. Um, doctors' names, you have to tell it how to spell one of your colleagues' names once. And I don't know how much familiarity you have with Dragon, but physician yeah. names are really hard, some of them, to get yep. it right. And you can yep. create these workarounds that sometimes work. But actually, when I was doing consulting, a lot of times that was like the top thing people wanted. Like, I can never say Dr. So-and-so's name and get Dragon to do it right. And so, yep. yeah, so that, so so they, um, because of their human editing and because of your personalized you know lists that you keep building on they're very very good at stuff like that which actually i think you know in terms of how we relate to our colleagues like i i don't want my colleagues names turned into some other mishmash of whatever right it sounds really great like so mm-hmm. overall like when you think about your practice
0: then before you started and now what are the biggest changes what's, what's, what are the biggest impacts on your practice and i guess
1: on your your yeah. your life yeah, and I didn't answer. Um, I didn't answer part of your question too about turnaround time. Um, maybe I'll finish that before I um, before I switch. Sure, so there's different sure. different ways that goes, and I think that I would I would defer to the Sekera team in terms of what they promise you. But when I started, the turnaround time actually wasn't that good. Um, we had sometimes next day turnaround, and that just I'm like I can't I can't do this. Like this actually is making this harder for me to remember the next day. Right. So I'm on like 10 to 20 minute turnaround time now, and that's totally oh, wow. workable. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, yeah. So, I mean, I think it just depends on how much they prioritize the editing and that's part of like whatever deal you set up with them and Mm -hmm. it costs a little bit more for the quicker turnaround and so forth at this point, but not, not outrageous. I was just talking to another CMIO that um, it was like, I think they charged something like $200 a month to do like the 20 minute turnaround time, which is, I mean, it depends on how you think about the economics of it, but essentially like if you, you know, if, if you really want to see it right away and, you can like the, the cost of it compared to like using a scribe or hating your job or <laughs> or whatever it is like you know like that seems fairly reasonable pretty quickly sure um anyway so that um yeah and then you would just what was the other question you just asked me um how the, it's the changed, impact overall how has it changed your practice and and what you yeah do? yeah so um so covid Um, (laughs) so COVID has absolutely affected my practice. So rural primary care Uh and fee for service was not designed for COVID. Um, right. Um, I mean, we, we get paid based off of production and then when a pandemic happens and you're trying to divert people away from your clinic, um, and then your whole health system is financially struggling and then, you know, and then like, basically like the wheels start to fall off. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we are, so that happened and then it was very stressful. And um, actually this summer, um, our office actually was one that was on the, after nine years of being here, potentially on the cutting table for for one that we might not be able to keep open if we didn't actually up our capacity production, Hmm. um, which is not at all the world I want to live in, but I do love where I live and I love my community and I actually really like my employer. I just, Uh um, but that was, that's very stressful. Um, So where I'm going with the story is that um, last week uh, we have actually been doing some things to tweak my schedule. Um, where I have more open, more sort of an open access model. I have more same day appointments. Um, You know, we're, we're doing more telemedicine when needed and so forth. And, um, and just trying to figure out things that we can do. Well, anyway, last Thursday, I believe um, I had a pretty busy day for me. And I know this varies from doctor to doctor, but for rural primary care of all ages, you know, up to 90 years old, um, I, I had a 20 patient day and was completely done notes and everything at 530, with mm-hmm. like eight to 530. And I actually had an hour lunchtime. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so like to me, uh, that was like, wow, I don't know how I could have done that um, and felt good about it. Um, and it's not that that's again, the world that I want to live in. But since, since we are in this like pressure for production world, um, you know, once I became comfortable trusting this, um, this technology to really help me, um, it's been this like night and day, um, makes things so much easier. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, I wish, um, you know, when someone's at the gym, you can see them lifting weights and you know, that burns energy. What you can't see is how much, I mean this thing is like
0: oh, very
1: metabolically active, right? Yeah. Right. Like all you know, decision fatigue is a real thing, right? Like so mm. so that's been studied that like after a certain number of decisions, like the brain is actually exhausted. Um, Perfect. you know, I don't have to decide to say punctuation. I don't have to decide to proofread my notes. I don't have to like think about what I'm gonna do for a note after I walk out of the room if I don't want to. Like all those things add up in a way that like again, I was a skeptic up front, but now I don't want to go back
0: well that's really well said that's really well said and and maybe the best question just sort of to tie it up here um with a bow here is you know we started sort of by talking about burnout and then we got to the voice technology and from what you've just said it sounds like correct me if I'm wrong but this sounds like this this could be a good
1: uh at least part of the solution to burnout is that fair in your experience yeah total totally fair totally fair and um yeah so I um right so I Um, In my journeys in burnout, um, I sort of got a crash course in education about what burnout is all about. And um, with Christina Maslach's work, who's really a pioneer in the field, Um, there are these pillars of professional fulfillment, which is, which she describes as the antidote to burnout. And so workload is a major one of those, a a reasonable workload. And the EHR is really like, it's just one thing added on another thing, added on another thing, added on how many buttons are there on the screen that I could click? Oh my God. Like, right. And so the, and then like, we're just going to add this other metric and target and it's the frog that's boiled slowly to death in water analogy i really think like you know now we're at a point where it's beyond reasonable and so um but workload is a is a big part of this and um so I, i really see that um and then the other thing is is that sense of control um that you you actually um this is a this is a, a company and a service and a tool that um, you if you don't like it, you don't have to keep using it versus mm-hmm. the EHR like I don't get to show up to work tomorrow and say I don't want to use epic anymore right, um, right. So there's a strong motivation to help me solve my problems and to really be physician workflow centric. Um, Versus, um, you know, if I complain about something that's wrong in the EHR, um, it may get on the list that goes from my local community to sort of our central headquarters. And it may get on the list of things that go all the way to Wisconsin. Um, And it may actually get on the list of things that go into the next build of Epic, which is months down the road. Right. Um, which all, but then like as we all know, like experiencing EHR upgrades, they're always touted as like, here's the cool thing that's coming. But if you're really a doctor, you're like, Oh God, here's another upgrade. This is going to suck. Right. Yeah, yep. Like there's always yep. something you don't like. So they might've fixed one thing, but there's some other thing that you don't like. And I, I don't like to bash on the EHRs, but that's just, I mean, that's what we experience. So, um, but if you have, you know, so this is really, I mean, it's a service for doctors and if I don't, you know, if they're not making us happy, we're not going to keep using it. Sure. So to me, that's, that's really a big deal. Sure. Sure. Well, that's great. Um,
0: it's really, like I said, right off the bat, it's really nice to get your opinion and your experience with using this type of technology now. And it sounds like, um, it's really positive and we're on the, we're on the right track. So that's, it's, it's fantastic. Um, where can listeners go to learn more about you or
1: your work or are there any particular resources that you'd want to share with the listeners? Yeah, sure. Um, so I, uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter. my um, my name is at Gabriel Dane like a great Dane um, and I have a website fightburnout.org You can find me there and find out more about my burnout project um and so those would be good places and if you um if you're interested in say Kara, i'm sure that if you reach out to them and wanted to talk to me directly sort of doctor to doctor about like um you know is this thing the right the right sort of technology to bring in, they would probably connect us so we could have a conversation if that was helpful. Um, cause I'm, I'm happy to do that too. A lot of times we have more practical questions for each other and, um, you know, not everybody is a doctor turned computer programmer turned software entrepreneur. <laughs> so I might seem unrelatable, but I also still see patients. And I, my wife is also a family practice doctor. You know, I have to figure out how to keep her happy. Um, and I, you know, I, I feel like I understand the world that we live in pretty well. So, um, yeah fantastic that's great well great resources um thank you thank you very
0: much for for spending some of your time on the podcast really really interesting discussion um shout out to Sekara. i know they're doing excellent work and um thank you very much for your time you got it no problem there you go i hope you enjoyed that discussion with uh dr gabe charbonneau really cool to hear truly a first-hand experience of what it's like to use some of this voice technology that is just getting better and better every day. Um, please feel free to check out those resources that uh, Dr. Charbonneau mentioned. Um, and definitely, definitely, for sure, check out Sekara if you are interested in this type of technology as well because they are doing excellent work. Uh, I know the team, great guys. And you can hear now from, uh, from Gabe's perspective that uh, it is helping physicians truly in their daily lives and their practice. So fantastic. Thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in to the podcast this week. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. Please share this podcast. Uh, that would be the biggest uh, compliment that you could give. And I'm looking forward to speaking with you again very, very soon. Take care. Be well.